Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the pod, we have Imad Akund. He is the founder and CEO of Mercury. So he's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Imad, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you're on your podcast sofa. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I actually do these clubhouses and podcasts and I'm always sitting on the sofa. A uh, multi-purpose clubhouse and podcast sofa. Well, I'm really excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. I'm going to try to be funny. (laughs) I love it. Me too. (laughs) Okay. That should be a good show then. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Main Street. Every day when I log on to Twitter, I'm greeted by Nick Abuzade's smiling face besides a promoted tweet about Main Street asking me if I am a seed stage startup. Unfortunately for me, I'm not, but you might be. So founders, here's the deal. You're owed more than $50,000 in tax credits from the government, seriously. And Main Street can get it back for you in 20 minutes. The truth is that the first 30 to 50,000 times I saw ads for Main Street, I thought it sounded too good to be true. But then Nick gave me the rundown. The US government annually sets aside $100 billion for startups. Main Street connects directly into your payroll system to find which of those credits and incentives apply to your business. Then they'll advance you on the cash you're owed in real time at 0% interest. Oh, and 90% of venture-backed startups qualify. It costs nothing to find out how much you're owed, and listeners of Non-Technical can book a free white glove onboarding call today at MainStreet.com slash Non-Technical. So some professional context for our listeners. Imad Akund is the founder and CEO of Mercury, building banking for startups. He's also an active angel investor, investing in startups like Clubhouse, Substack, Airtable, Rappi, and Rippling. Prior to founding Mercury, Imad sold his previous startup, Hayzap, for $45 million. Originally from Pakistan and raised in London, Imad moved to the States to join Wine Combinator in 2007. How about that? Check out that resume. <laughs> it just means I'm a bit old, I guess. <laughs> I love that. Imad, tell me this. Work is done for the day and you close your computer. Then what happens? Uh, I go upstairs. I have two girls, a three-year-old and a nine-year-old. So I feel like... Before work, I'm like on kids' duty. And then after work, I'm on kids' duty. (laughs) But it's nice. I get to spend a couple hours with them before bed. That is nice. Do you do anything for yourself to mentally make that switch from work to family time? You know, back in the day, I used to go to an office and there was this very obvious delineation. Uh, Now it's just, you just go upstairs. In the morning, it's a little simpler because I drop them off to school and then, you know, there's like a 10 minute drive. So I listen to a podcast or something like that. Totally. 10 minutes I find is a hard time to find a podcast for. I'll end up listening to like the first third of a podcast when I have 10 minutes. Yeah, I'm just like going through a podcast. So I'll do 10 minutes (laughs) until it's finished. (laughs) I do that too. And sometimes I feel ridiculous because I'm like, oh, I'll put this podcast on for the four minute walk to the pharmacy or something like that. Yeah, it's like an addiction. Like either you're listening to something or watching something on a phone. It's hard to have complete quiet. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you ever been known as the something person? like in high school or at an old job or something like that. I was definitely the drama girl in high school. To clarify, I mean like the theater kid, not like somebody creating a lot of drama. (laughs) (laughs) I see. From the age of like, I guess, nine to 
14, I had like a pretty thick accent because I'd moved from Pakistan oh, to really? the UK. Mm. And, you know, British people are not that kind. So I was probably <laughs> mostly like known as the person with a very thick accent that like people made the fun out of. As a kid, I was a very quiet, shy kid. When I grew up, I became like a shy extrovert. It's a bit of a contradiction. So now I think people perceive me as very different oh, wow. from how I was perceived growing up. Totally. What do you think you're known as the anything person now? So it depends to who, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, to friends. I'm probably like considered as a fairly like optimistic, jolly person. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> like, especially through the pandemic. Everyone has a tendency to get negative about things. I tend to be fairly optimistic about things. That is good and rare. I try to say to those people, like, you can have the same situation and be negative about it or, or positive about it. And the situation won't change, but your perception would. It's actually better just for living. Better for living. That's good advice. Imad's tips for living, for better living. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's so freaking obvious. (laughs) I know, but it's easy to forget. But when you take a moment and get some perspective, it can be really helpful. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. What's the tiniest hill you're willing to die on? Something completely inconsequential that you would really go to bat for? (laughs) probably all sorts of things actually something related to this point i guess this is not a tiny hill but i think people are really pessimistic about everything and they get very worked up about climate change people used to get really worked about global population will grow and we'll run out of space and i just everyone should just relax and like it'll be fine (laughs) like i think we should try to solve these problems but we just don't need like mass hysteria to solve most of these problems and i do think generally speaking civilization 6,000 years old. I think in like 100,000 years, we'll still be around and we'll be much better at what we do. Wow. So you think that we're in it for the long haul here as a human race? Yeah. Really hard to kill like all of humanity. We're fairly robust creatures and I don't think the earth is going to run out of resources anytime soon. Wow. So is the tiniest hill that people generally need to chill? <laughs> it's <not a> t- <laughs> that was a huge hill. <laughs> I'm like, I should come up with a tinier hill. I'm a tiny hill. I'd say it's like a total, <laughs> all of humanity having a different approach to life. <laughs> yeah, and that's not a tiny hill at all. Is there something that you get really worked up about that you think you need to chill about? I think everyone does this, but sometimes I like play through scenarios over and over Mm. again. I'm not actually making any progress in what I'm going to say. I should just not think about it. But I do feel like I just like often going, okay, this is what I'm going to say. And that's going to happen. And this is what's going to happen. Whenever there's like a a thing coming up that I consider important in some way, like if it's a VC meeting or something Mm. like that, we'll just be like thinking through all of these things. What I love about that answer is that it reminds me of the interview question, what is your greatest weakness? And then the person is like, well, I just care too much and I work too hard. I'm like, what's something you you worry about? You're like, I like to be really prepared for things that matter, actually. Something weird about me. (laughs) Well, it is. I mean, it's genuinely like, I don't think it's healthy. I'm like fairly at peace with (laughs) like things that I'm bad at, but I do want to improve certain things like this. Fairly at peace with things that you're bad at. What kind of stuff do you think you're bad at? I think I'm mostly face blind. Okay. Name blind as well. Oh, no. It's very frustrating. I mean, it's fine if I work with someone regularly. If I haven't met someone for like 10 years, but I knew them very well 10 years ago, I will almost completely blank to who they are. (gasps) It's actually much easier in a Zoom world because everyone has their name attached to them. I'm looking forward to like AR where everyone has their name attached to them when you're walking around, then I'll never forget. Oh, my God. That would be great. 
Yeah. I struggle with that too, actually. Have you developed any tricks to try to remember names or faces better? You know, I think I partly suck at it because I don't try enough. Okay. <laughs> I don't have like great tricks. Maybe if I did develop those, I would be better at it. My short-term memory is fine. So it's, somehow mm. I have to like transition their name slash face to like long-term memory. I just don't know how one gets good at that. For short-term memory, at least, I found that repeating the person's name as soon as I meet them is actually very helpful. I know that's like a tried and true tip, but I'd highly recommend. Yeah, yeah. that's saying interesting. it like, oh, nice to meet you, Ahmad. And then it's <laughs> like, okay, save, file save. But now, now the next time you say that to someone, they'll be like, oh, Alexis is like playing this trick. <laughs> yes. That devious trick of trying to be polite and remember the people I connect with. Yeah, that's true. It's not so devious. The thing is, though, that sometimes I am confident that I know someone's name and I'm 100% wrong, but I say it with the confidence of someone that really believes they're right. And that is very embarrassing for me. And it happens multiple times. And you'd think that I would have learned better by now. And I haven't. Yeah, I've got pretty good at the whole thing where you'll just have a conversation, them assuming that you you know their name, and then you see if you can figure it out in the conversation. I love that. I've definitely done that before, too. Something I've also done is if there's a friend nearby, I'll have them be there so I can be like, okay, introduce yourself. Introduce yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> You're like, hey, you should meet blah. <laughs> They'll be like, yeah, hi. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So these are some good tips. So this is one of the things that you think that you're bad at. Is there anything else that comes to mind when you're like, oh, man, what are the things I really want to improve on? I mean, this is going to sound like one of those interview things, but I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait. I'm very direct with people. I'm not very good at knowing how to say things in a way that like other people, person would not have their feelings hurt or something mm -hmm. like that. I'll just say what it is that I'm thinking. And I'm not very good at knowing how to say things in a way that, you know, makes people feel like very relaxed and at ease. I think other people are really good at positioning criticism mm -hmm. in a way that like other people are responsive to it. And I'm not good at that at all. Have you noticed a difference between your time living in London and San Francisco and the way that people react to that? Oh, yeah. I mean, British people, me and British people don't actually get along very well. Really? Americans are like way more direct people, in my opinion, mm -hmm. at least. And mm -hmm. most of my experience of America has been in San Francisco. It might be skewed by what the Bay Area is like. But I think Americans are like a lot kind of more direct and more straightforward. Whereas, you know, British people have this whole like politeness thing going. Yep. But part of that's also an indirect way of speaking that yeah. you know, I never really got. I've got along with British people less than Americans in general. And it's funny that your experience has mostly been in the Bay because I've lived primarily I've spent my adult life in New York and in San Francisco. And one of the biggest yeah. things that I noticed when I moved from New York to San Francisco was how much less direct people were in oh, the I can see that. especially. Yeah. And it was very challenging for me to try to figure out what people meant because in New York, I was just used to people being like, oh, Tuesday? No, I can't make it. And I'd be like, oh, okay, great. But here people are like, um, yeah, no, I might be down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. There's degrees. <laughs> you, you should try going to London then. <laughs> oh, my God. I actually really like London. I haven't been, of course, since the pandemic. I'm going to London in July. I just I Ooh, booked my Very trip. exciting. That's great. Well, you can maybe practice some of your London type like roundabout feedback, soft sugar coated talking between now and then. You have plenty of time. <laughs> we'll see. Have you ever been proven really, really wrong on something? in a way that surprised you. Am I supposed to not make this about work at all? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you going to cheat? Do, if you need to cheat, I will maybe allow it. But well, I mean, ultimately, it's up to me. 
I, I've been doing startups for 15 years now, and Mercury is actually my fourth company. So, you know, like I always tell people that's how many times I was proven wrong before I finally <laughs> sold a company. <laughs> okay, I'll allow it. That's a good answer. What about on the personal side? Is there anything where you, where you were proven wrong to the point that you were like, oh, wow, I was wrong? Yeah, you know, growing up, like my dad especially but both my parents were very into like making me do all these extracurricular activities i did drama and like i did guitar i did all sorts of stuff and i mostly sucked at most of it okay (laughs) i mean i was good at racket sports but most other things like they made me do i kind of sucked at and at the time i did say like hey what's the point like mentally i was like very annoyed about it and all that i was doing like six activities a week and like (gasps) most of them i hated That's a lot. I was very busy as a child, (laughs) like up until the age of 16, I was doing like six or so like things a week, maybe even longer. But anyway, in hindsight, I think it was actually like a pretty interesting experience that they gave to me. The kind of broad set of experiences probably like grew me as a person. So I would say like, that's probably the thing that I was kind of mad at them. And it's funny because I now do that to my daughter as well. Like I make her do all sorts of things. Not quite as extreme, but I know she doesn't like doing some of them, but um, yeah. you'll like them eventually. Trust me. Yes. I think you're a thousand percent right on that. You said that you were good at racket sports. Did you like the racket sports? What was your favorite extracurricular? Uh, I played a lot of tennis and I quite enjoyed that. But there were so many other things I did. I just didn't like at all. Like I did swimming. I, I hated mm. that. I played guitar and piano. I hated those. Do you still play guitar? No, I just suck at it. That's partly why I hated it. <laughs> like I played for a long time. I played for like eight years. And like if I picked oh it up God. now, I couldn't play like any songs. Okay, now that I know you played for eight years, I feel like I can't trust your judgment on anymore on whether you suck at it because I bet you don't suck at guitar. No, no, I really do suck no, at it. I, I don't really do. You There's anymore. no doubt. There's no doubt. I suck. <laughs> 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 I mean, like it would be embarrassing if I picked it up and tried to play something. That's how bad I am at it. If you had a guitar right now, is there a song you could play? I mean, it's been like a good 20 years or something. Since, since you've I've touched a guitar at all? Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> since like the age of 20, probably. I've touched it, but like where I've tried yeah. to really play it. I think if you gave me a week, I could probably play a guitar song. Yes. What would be the first uh, song you'd try to relearn? Oh, God. Oh, what would I try to <laughs> relearn? I don't know, like Happy Birthday or something like that. On or... guitar? You could choose yeah, from not? any song in the whole world. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I feel like it would have the most like applicability to daily life. <laughs> oh my God. I love that you're like, okay, I need to optimize for number of times that I will be able to use <laughs> this song. Well, the other one I was going to say is Twinkle Twinkle. But... <laughs> well, that one is good because I feel like, well, your daughters are pretty young. That might be a nice song for the whole family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And happy birthday. That would be nice. Something like that where the kids would enjoy it. And now you make me think maybe I should do it. I I support you. I think that it is always nice to have something that is so different from your work to do in your spare time. At least in my life, I've always loved having something a little bit different so that my brain could kind of play with it. Yeah. You know, I think partly like I just don't like things that I'm not good at. And like, I feel like I did it for a long time and I still didn't get good at it. So it was just kind of frustrating. You know, what's so funny and probably not at all unsurprising is that I've had several guests say something similar and I myself feel similarly, which is, well, I don't want to do something if I'm not going to be literally amazing at it. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's okay to do stuff you're not that good at. (laughs) And then I have to remind myself like, oh, yeah, it's like, okay to not be amazing at everything. For the record, hold on. I'm not saying I'm amazing at everything I do. (laughs) I just mean I have the desire to be very good at everything that I try. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think that like competitive things, I don't mind not 
being like amazing. Obviously, you want to play with someone that you're like similarly yeah. competitive with. But there's just fun to the competition. I feel like I, I'm actually not that good at like doing single player things for the sake mm. of them. Okay. So maybe we need like we need a creative hobby that where there's other people involved. You could start a jam band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go from like sucking a guitar to a jam <laughs> yep. band. Yeah, they're good. I'd have to find other people who suck at a few instruments so we can all suck together. Yes. Wait, but wouldn't that be so fun? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> 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 we have to like all suck and we have to also yeah. be okay with like just hearing awful sounds for like an hour at a time. That sounds very fun to me. I too used to play guitar and sing. And I would be down for that type of environment because I also had to at one point just say, I can't devote the time I need to this to get really good. So I don't play that much anymore at all. So I would be yeah. totally down for something where I was like, we're all in on the situation here. You know, no one is like going to be the breakout star of this band. So, you know, I was thinking this actually in the pandemic, it's almost mm -hmm. impossible to do music in like a collaborative way because like you can do most things over Zoom, but mm -hmm. music is impossible because of the latency. So we're going to have to table this. Well, you think that, but my uh, best friend Mara is in a choir and she recently told me that they acquired some hardware that has eliminated the latency from their rehearsals. So it is out there. So I'm just saying we, you know, if that was the one barrier to entry, then we're actually good. I'll just call my friend Mara. I just don't believe that's possible, right? Because you say, let's say I say, ah, uh, you say, ah, uh, uh -huh. I have to hear you say, ah, uh, at the same time I said it. Yeah. And like, if there's like a 200 millisecond or even like a 50 millisecond delay, it's just like yeah. impossible. Maybe the hardware has like time travel built in. <laughs> I can feel you trying to get out of our jam band and I'm not going to allow it. I'm looking into the hardware. I'm going to follow up. <laughs> all right, fine. We'll use your time travel hardware to do thank a jam you, band where we all, all suck. <laughs> Is there anything that your family did when you were growing up that at the time you thought was normal, but then with hindsight, you've realized was actually extremely weird or strange i don't know if this is like weird or strange mm -hmm. but growing up we would always oh actually my my parents might find it annoying for, if i say this but oh. we used to always eat our dinner in front of tv oh yeah uh, which i thought was like very normal growing up but i feel like as an adult i'm like oh you know we should eat together on like yeah. a dinner, dining table kind actually, of thing me too uh, oh you did same, yeah i had that same experience and realization yeah but also like we turned out okay you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't necessarily do that with my own kids, but I'm like, I mean, I made it. You know, I survived. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I was just talking about this with someone else, actually. From the age of basically 10, I used to, like, walk myself back from school. It was, like, a 20-minute walk. Mm -hmm. And, like, not through, like, main streets as well. Like, just, like, random yeah. side streets. Wow. And I feel like I had a ton of freedom, like, from, mm -hmm. like, a very early age. You know, I'd go out with my friends. Like, yeah. I didn't even really tell my parents where I was going. They were, like, very chill with things. And, yeah. like, now that I have a nine-year-old, there's no way I'd let her mm -hmm. in, like, one year's time just walk around outside in San Francisco, you know? Totally. So I don't know whether the world is less safe or, like, it just people just didn't care as much. But I think that's, like, everyone has that feeling. It's the freedoms that we had as kids. But I do feel a bit sad about that because I feel mm -hmm. very independent as a person and I was mm -hmm. given a lot of independence as mm -hmm. a child. So I want my kids to have that kind of independent feeling. Modern society makes that harder. It seems like it does, certainly, based on everything that I've heard from parents now and how they feel about giving their kids autonomy. 
something that I experienced a lot growing up as an only child was boredom or just lack of stimulus. You know, I didn't have siblings, so I didn't have people to play with all the time. And we lived in a really remote part of Connecticut. So, you know, friends were like a 20 minute drive away, whatever. And as at the time, I was bummed about that because I was a kid. Looking back, I actually think that's where I developed a lot of my passions around creative stuff because I was sort of forced to create my own fun or create my own projects and things like that. And something I worry about is that kids won't be bored anymore. I think that's really important, actually, like supplying boredom. I actually feel like even as an adult, like we should supply ourselves boredom as well. It does allow you to be more creative. But yeah, as a pretty early on as a kid, I had access to like a computer or like game controller system of some sort. I was on games a lot. Like video games, you mean? Yeah, video games and yeah, PC games, all, all sorts of things. Do you still play video uh, games? No, not at all nowadays. Never? Uh, Never ever? Just very, very rarely. Like I'll play some mobile games every now and then, like if I'm stuck in a plane or something like that. Sure. Do you have a go-to if you're like, oh, this line is so long? I was really into Risk. You know, Risk, mm. the, but the mobile game is actually much better than like the, the physical game because the physical wow. game takes forever. But the mobile game is pretty fun. Risk is one of those games that I am 100% confident I would really like, but I never played growing up because I didn't have any friends who would like it. And I've never played it as <laughs> yeah. an adult. Can you believe? Yeah, don't play the physical game, though. It's really boring because you spend forever like setting no, up the I'm board. No, I'm like in it to win it with stuff like that. Like I'm the person that's down to play Monopoly for three and a half hours. So I think that I could do it with Risk. <laughs> Monopoly is like the worst game ever. No, invented. it's not. It's great. It's, it's so a boring. Great game. It's so boring. Have you ever played Catan? Yeah, I love Catan. I, I think? think if anyone's going to play any board games, just play Catan. Like, it's a great the rest game. Of them, it's just not as good, in my opinion. So Risk is the go-to phone game. And you don't play any video games anymore, even though you played growing up? Yeah, not really. Actually, I just bought a Quest 2 yesterday. Ooh, uh, that's exciting. So I'm actually kind of excited about that. Maybe maybe I'll play VR games. VR games have this like additional thing that like mm -hmm. you can kind of pretend it's like a workout. <laughs> you know what I mean? I... <laughs> Yes, I think that that's a good point. It's just very funny to hear someone make it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I actually really hate just like sitting in the sitting, gym or yeah. like on a bike or whatever. It's just sure. like really boring. But in VR, like I used to have a vibe and you can really get like a pretty good workout because it's like a, yeah, it's like a fairly fun environment where that's you're like awesome. jumping around and stuff. I've actually never tried a VR workout. That sounds enjoyable. Well, you just play like a normal game. It's just many of the games you're like dodging and hitting and like all this stuff. It's very close to like a fairly active workout. That's cool. Okay. I'm interested. I'm interested in that. Is there a fad that you look back on participating in that now makes you a little cringy? That could be fashion, workout, anything cultural. I mean, a more recent one is like back in 2016, I, I was like pretty into crypto. I bought like a ton of ICOs <laughs> and I did... I did all sorts of things there. I mean, actually, I like, this. at least right now, it was successful because, like, yeah, I was them ended say, up doing well. On. So. Hang on. <laughs> but it was definitely me. a fad. And I don't, like, I don't at all, like, think it was, like, a reasonable thing to do, even if economically it was fine in the end. As a kid, I used to do those Pokemon, uh, you know, Pog things. Is that Pog, Pog things? You know what I mean? I think it was called Pog, actually. I, I also did a Pokemon cards, but do, do you know what Pog is? I don't know what Pog is. Like, it was a circular game. Maybe it was just a UK thing. I don't even remember how the game worked, but I remember I was, like, super into collecting them. Was it fun at the time? Yeah, yeah, it was fun. 
Do you still have one? No, nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) It disappeared. I tend to be like really obsessively into something. And then when I'm done, I just don't Mm -hmm. care about it at all. So Mm -hmm. I would have just chucked them at the end. Yeah. I like that your fad was crypto, but that we both agree that that was actually probably a pretty good move, even if it was embarrassing at the time to get into crypto in 2016? Well, I mean, 2016 wasn't even late. I I was saying mostly it's a fad because from like 2017 to like 2020, like no one cared about crypto at all. But I would say like society in the US at large did not care about crypto, but I had to hear about crypto what feels like every day of my life since like 20, yeah, 2016. I just feel like it's been in the zeitgeist and I'm very happy. I mean, maybe you have some crypto friends. I don't feel like anyone was talking about it for... Have you lived in San Francisco this whole time? Yeah. Where you been? Go outside. (laughs) Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? You could be in line for coffee hearing people talk about Litecoin constantly. And I was just like, oh, my God, I really need to get into crypto. But I don't want to be associated with anybody who's into crypto because it's so infuriating. And then I decided not to. And now I'm like, well, fuck, I should have absolutely gotten into it. It's never too late. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) Add it to the list. (laughs) I was thinking recently how I remember I would work with people who were very into crypto. I, they've always been around in my life, at least. But I never got sucked in and I wish that I had. Yeah. What is the most memorable gift you've ever received or given? <laughs> I'm not much of a gift person, actually. I'm trying to really? think of like, what's the worst? Yeah, I'm both like not good at giving. Uh, and I think partly because of that, I don't receive as many as well. <laughs> People know they're not going to get anything good in return, so they've given up. <laughs> yeah. Actually, talking about crypto, uh, for, a, for a Christmas party, my company, I gave mm-hmm. Crypto Kitty to someone. Ah! Uh, that's pretty memorable. And we always think about checking the price of it. I only bought it for $5, and I assume it's worth less than $5 now. So we should check at some point. But that's a good gift. That's probably the, the most memorable thing I can think of giving. Is giving someone Crypto Kitty? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have something better for this one? (laughs) No, I just, I don't know. I I guess I just, I was thinking like, maybe there's something that you've given your wife or one of your two daughters or like a family member or something. I'll totally take this Crypto Kitty answer. I love it. I'm living for the Crypto Kitty. I just, I feel free to share more. I just can't think of anything like too memorable for for them. You know, I suck at it and my wife is like really into gifting. So I just let her do all of it. So so to the yeah. extent that if it's like our anniversary, I let her pick what she wants and she buys it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much I suck at it. That means 100% hit rate on getting her a good gift. I know. And I don't see the point of doing it myself because she's so specific. And I'm there like, you, you do it. You get exactly what you want. And you're mm-hmm. not disappointed. It's a win-win. I think it sounds like a good idea to marry someone who enjoys or is good at the things that you don't enjoy or are bad at. Oh, yeah. It's like the key to success. Is she good at names and faces by any chance? I'm much better than me, at least. There you go. This is great. Okay, tell me this then. Who do you think would play you in a movie about your life? And follow-up question, should this movie be a biopic? So start to now, or should it be focused on a specific part of your life that was particularly interesting? My wife is very into Keanu Reeves, so I'd have him play me. (laughs) Love it. Oh, I quite like him too. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then should it be a specific time or like a whole thing? I think the whole thing would be kind of interesting. I'd be interested in watching that. I don't know if like I have like one specific time, which was like particularly riveting. So we've got Keanu on board. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he's going to play you from... So, well, I mean, we would probably need some child actors, obviously, if we're going to do, like, full biopic. <laughs> yeah. but we should probably do this pretty soon because Keanu might be aged out. That's... <laughs> we Yeah, we need Keanu to be... Well, you know, we could just go full Irishman technology with this, you know? Just de-age him. <laughs> well, then we could have Keanu as a kid as well. Keanu baby. That's a good point. Yeah. Baby Keanu, regular Keanu, and he's going to take us through the journey, you said, London to San Francisco. Well... Pakistan to London and then London to... I mean, if we're doing the whole thing. So, oh yeah, because you moved to London when you were, you said nine-ish? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, oh my God, we're going to cover Pakistan. We're going to cover London. We're going to cover San Francisco. This is going to be a pretty epic movie. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I should move somewhere else soon to make it like particularly yeah. epic. Maybe but actually, Miami I think or something. three is good because then it can follow like a three-act structure, which is good. Oh, yeah, film. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'll just make the screenplay easier to write. I think maybe I'll be walking the street of San Francisco and like someone will stab me right at the end, and that could be a good ending. <laughs> and that's the end. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's a real plot twist. Just for the movie, not in real yeah, life. Yeah, not just for the movie, not in real life, <laughs> not in real life. Totally. What makes you laugh? What do you find funny? I find it really funny when my daughter, who's nine, makes dad jokes. Because, you know, I've been doing dad jokes on her for nine years. And, like, yeah. she's finally learned to do them. Yeah. And they're pretty funny because I'm like, oh, that's exactly the joke I would say. But she's saying it oh. out. And it's so funny. Did you always make dad jokes and then you became a dad so it was appropriate? Or did you find yourself making dad jokes once you had a kid? I've actually thought about the psychology of dad jokes. And basically, <laughs> it's it's actually the kid's fault. Because okay. what happens is like, you know, the kids kind of encourage you because they just laugh at these like pretty inane things. Yes. And you as a dad are like a you know machine learning algorithm where you're trying to like <laughs> always entertain them. So so they're always laughing at like these dumb, like fairly simple jokes. Yes. And then you keep doing more of them. So that's what makes dad jokes happen. Okay. But then they say them back to you, which is like really next level meta if you think about it. Because they've trained you to say them and now... You've trained them to say it back to you. Wow. It's crazy. So it's like the AI is learning. The AI is teaching yeah. more AI. Yeah, on both sides. Dad jokes. <laughs> We're going to exactly. get st stuck in an infinite dad joke loop at some point. Yeah. I know. That's all that will be in the universe. So at nine, are you worried soon that she will not be interested in the dad jokes anymore? Oh, yeah, that is a concern. That might be coming up. I'm hoping that we'll just skip that. I'm hoping too, because I think that the idea of bringing a child into this world who's not going to laugh at my jokes is not something that I'm interested in. <laughs> well, you're particularly funny, so I think you'll be fine. But, you know, all I have is dad jokes. I'm pretty sure in my house, they're going to be mom jokes, if I had to guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, you know what, though? Let me say this. Maybe you just need to keep fine-tuning that algorithm to come up with jokes yeah. to keep pace More with her interests. More sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe by the end of this, I'm just going to be like a really funny guy. I think so. I think it's possible. It's, it's possible. Love that. So if you had to do a five-minute stand-up comedy set tomorrow, what would you talk about? I don't know what would be funny. Like, I, I'm quite into, like, aliens and, like, sci-fi kind really? of stuff. I okay. don't know how you make like a comic sh like stand up out of it, though. I mean, there's a I'm sure there's a ton of ways. But so if someone said you have to perform stand up comedy tomorrow night, how would that make you feel? <laughs> Extremely <laughs> nervous. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at performing and or public speaking or anything well, like that. Well, you do that. your audience uh, every week. Yeah, I mean, but that's like interactive. And I also try to... I, t I tell everyone, hey, I believe in collaboration. You guys should present most of it. I'll do like one slide. But really, it's because I don't like public speaking. Yeah. 
Sure. A shy extrovert. Yeah, exactly. So you'd be extremely nervous, but we think there's a way you could maybe talk about aliens and sci-fi and that could be fun. I actually don't know what other people find funny as well. Like I'm not very good at relating to what other people like think is funny. (laughs) But what about the dad jokes? What if you just did a set of dad jokes? But would people find that funny? Like the whole point is that they're lame jokes. Like that's what dad jokes are. Maybe that that could be your niche though. Just really lame jokes. I just don't think that that lame, you know, like... They'd have to be so lame that they're funny. And I just don't think that that bad. We're in the uncanny valley of, of yeah, lameness. Just like to trying too hard. I get it. Ooh. Yeah. And that is a tough spot to be trying. to. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> but maybe I could practice. Maybe I could make them super lame. I think what we would need to identify is, are they closer to lame or cool right now? Where on the spectrum yeah. are they today? And then which is closer? Is making them more lame closer for us or is making them cooler closer? <laughs> And that's how we could approach this problem. Yeah, we could use like Twitter or something. I could like start tweeting them and then see what kind of response I'm getting. Have you ever tweeted a joke? (laughs) Uh, I don't think so. Ever in the history of your Twitter career? No. Basically on Twitter, if if I do like startup, like entrepreneur advice, it does well. But anything else I tweet about, it like lands completely flat. Really? Yeah. I, that's so interesting. Like when I say like really smart things that are not related to like startup advice, like they just yeah. like are completely flat. No it's one really cares. <laughs> yeah, no one cares. Oh no, I will try to care. Next time I see one, I will, you'll get a I, like right away. One like is just not enough. <laughs> what if when I see that though, I'll just respond, ha 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 as though okay, it was that, a joke be good. and it was really funny. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like, <laughs> Put more ha-ha's in if it's okay. really, really funny. Yes, And less that. ha-ha's if it's like just mediocre funny. The next time you tweet something like really brilliant and serious, I'm just going to respond. <laughs> and just <laughs> like, write, ah. like, LOL, LOL, this is hilarious. And we'll just see what happens. Maybe people will be like, wow, Mod's really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, they'll Love be that. just really confused. Yeah, but you know what? Either way, we'll have fun. <laughs> That's true. So do you know your astrological sign and do you care? I am Aries, but I definitely do not care. Okay. How do you know you're an Aries? Well, you know, I know. (laughs) There's only 12 of them. Uh, (laughs) Like someone must have told you at some point? uh, Yeah, like my parents said it at some point. I don't think they cared too much either. There's a few people at Mercury that really care about it. But I hope they mostly care about it from like a slightly ironic sense. You know? (laughs) Actually caring about it doesn't make any sense. Got it. Is there any framework similar to astrology that you do put a lot of credence in, like Myers-Briggs or Enneagram, anything like that? (laughs) I think people who do give them credence would not consider them similar to astrology. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, the way I phrase that is probably not great. (laughs) Uh, No, not really is what I would say. I think in general, people are just like multifaceted and like, Mm -hmm. I think these things try to like box people into like very specific kind of frameworks. I don't know. I even classified myself as a shy extrovert, which is slightly like a position around Myers-Briggs, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't deeply care about any of it. And you said earlier that you meditate or you try to meditate every day. When did you start meditating? So it was mostly, I used to get like migraines. Mm. I actually got them since I was like relatively young, but they happen quite infrequently, like once a year since I was like maybe 18, but they're super annoying. Yeah. But I've noticed if like there's times of like stress Mm -hmm. and just got in this habit of just getting migraines like very frequently. So then I started meditating and it really helped. 
Wow, that's really cool. So I kind of use it mostly as almost a like a medical <laughs> like yeah. intervention kind of thing. But I think it's like it's an interesting process because you at least I find that if you do do it relatively frequently, then you just learn to be in that state where you're just mm -hmm. like more relaxed. And so I, like, it's like a training thing, like to just teach your mind to be more relaxed. At least that's what I find. I think you're totally right. I grew out of them, but I got migraines when I was really little, five, oh, six, really? seven years old. It was oh, that's so awful. bad because how do you help a tiny kid, you know, with that kind of stuff? But I agree with you wholeheartedly about the meditating. And it's something that I want to get back into, but I feel like I've taken a pause. I mean, there's no pressure. You can just do it whenever. But... No, but I have to be good at it. I have to be good at it, Ahmad. I have to be the best at <laughs> I think this is the one thing you don't need to be good at. Like, you just do it. And then I think with a lot of these kinds of things, people make it more complicated than it is. Yeah, certainly. Like, they're like, we have to do it for 40 minutes and like all this kind of stuff. And I think oh you can Oh my God, just... 40 minutes. The longest I've meditated for is 15 minutes. And I felt so proud of myself for that. Yeah, honestly, I do find it boring as well. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But to your point earlier... I think it's good to be bored sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so we are going to take a quick break and then we will be right back with Imad Akund. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Main Street. Main Street helps venture-backed startups uncover tax credits they've never heard of in 20 minutes. You don't even have to be profitable. Main Street found tax credits for Geffen's company Couplet on their first payroll cycle when they had no revenue and only two employees. Also, it's worth taking a look even if you already have a CPA because a lot of these tax credits are obscure. The CEO of Science.io said they hired the best CPA in San Francisco to look for credits and Main Street still blew them out of the water to the tune of $120,000. If you haven't filed your taxes yet, don't. I mean, do, definitely do, but go to MainStreet.com first. These credits expire when you file for your 2020 taxes. 90% of venture-backed startups qualify. It costs nothing to find out how much you're owed, and listeners of Non-Technical can book a free white glove onboarding call today at MainStreet.com slash non-technical. And we're back with Imad Akun, CEO and founder of Mercury. Imad, we have come to a very exciting time in the Non-Technical episode. It is time for the lightning round. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'll be very surprised if anyone's made it to this spot. <laughs> what? That was just boring, right? <laughs> okay, first of all, <laughs> that is such a ridiculous thing to say about yourself and also to me, the host and creator. No, no, you've done a great that. job. I'm talking about myself. <laughs> so you're okay, well <laughs> Okay, that aside, it is time for the lightning round. Let me start with this. Coffee or tea? Tea. What kind of tea? Uh, I have this like tea, it's called PG Tips. It's, it's like a very standard tea that people have in, in England. I have three a day for the last, <gasps> whatever, 15, 20 years. Wow. Caffeinated or no? It's caffeinated, yeah. Oh my God. Three cups of caffeinated tea per day. Yeah, but tea's not yeah, like tea's as not strong as coffee. I know. Do you take it with anything? Sugar and milk. Love that. Milk from a cow? Dairy milk? Yes. Look at this. He's counterculture. <laughs> is that counterculture? <laughs> In San Francisco, it is. <laughs> it's not very refined. I am actually, I am on a keto diet for the last oh, like really? five months. So if I do have a latte, I have it with almond milk, which is uh -huh, like more the, the truth comes out. The truth comes out. <laughs> more SF culture, I guess. There we go. Here You walked back your cow milk statement. You realized that that was going to be too controversial. <laughs> yeah, I know. Have you ever read a book twice? Extremely infrequently, if I have, if I ever have. No book comes to mind as a book that you go back to. 
No, I mean, I'd love to go back to some books, but mm-hmm. I do have a hard time reading a book a second time. I see. If you had to read a book twice tomorrow, what would it be? I really have been meaning to reread Beginning of Infinity. It's by mm. David Deutsch. Uh, it's such a great book and it has like a lot of fairly deep concepts that like just the first time through, I'm pretty sure I didn't get them all. Mm. Okay. Do you have a position on whether or not a fully made bed should include a top sheet? I just don't know why people make beds. You're going to lie on it later. <laughs> like just don't make the bed. I just don't get it. <laughs> Okay, so anti-bed making, so no opinion on the top sheet. Yeah, I mean, why do it? You're going to lie down on it later. I've been making my bed every day of my life since my junior year of high school because I went to boarding school and my junior year, I had a really small room and making the bed made the room look bigger because it looked cleaner. Yeah, I can see that. So every day, got to make the bed. Yeah, I never do In my opinion. Do you have a pump up song? On my Alexa, which I shouldn't say because, oh, see, I just triggered yeah. her. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm kind of surprised you haven't triggered her yet. That happens when people talk to me a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that. Uh, but I always just say, like, play EDM. Uh, oh, just really? play some random EDM music. And it's like, nice. that's very pump it. That's my pump it up kind of thing right now, where I'm like, play EDM. And then I'm like, boo boo. And that's Is there that a particular EDM song or artist that you really like? No, I'm like very uncultured about it. <laughs> Whatever Alexa throws my way. <laughs> so we want just like loud, fast beats. <laughs> if you're trying to like go through email or like read a really boring kind of sales contract or something. I agree entirely. I listen to music like that or I listen to classical music if I really need to focus because no lyrics. Yeah, yeah. No lyrics helps. Or like foreign lyrics. Mm-hmm. Those are good too. That's a good idea. Huh. I had not considered that. How American slash English centric of me. What would you <laughs> title your memoir? I had a blog that that actually I lost the domain for, but it was called Imad's New World. Oh, you lost the domain for that? <laughs> yeah, I just didn't renew it. And then some Chinese like domain squatter renewed oh, it. Oh, no. Uh, which kills me because now it's, it's got some random crap on there. But Imad's New World, that's what I call it. Imad's New World. Okay, that's a fantastic name. Going back to this domain question, though, did they jack up the price or something? No, like they just bought it and then they <gasps> just, just oh, put like you know, domain squatter. Yeah, it's just, I haven't looked for a while. Let's have a look. <laughs> I'll look at it right I'm now. I'm invested now. <laughs> yeah, this, oh, look, I can buy it for $3,895. It's just ridiculous. How, why would you pay $4,000 for this? Uh, anyway, I'll never buy it back. I ha- used to have AlexisGay.com and I let it lapse like a fool. Yeah. And yeah. then it got, the price went way up. To something oh, really? two thousand dollars. However, huge plot twist is that our uh, mutual friend Sheil hooked me up with uh, the owners of the top level domain dot gay, and I got to fulfill my lifelong dream of now owning www.alexis.gay. Wow! What is the rest of that domain useful? It's a really great domain because they have this extra like part of their credo that ensures all the websites on .gay are safe spaces for the LGBTQ plus community. And 20%, I think, of their proceeds go back to LGBTQ causes. It's great. Oh, that's cool. I know. It feels really good like as an ally to have Alexis.gay. And I just feel like kind of a baller that my personal website is (laughs) Alexis.gay. Yeah, that is great. Okay, so Imad's New World is going to be the memoir. I'm excited to see it on bookshelves soon. (laughs) <laughs> I can only imagine. No time soon. I'm not going to write time. it. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get like famous enough that someone else will write it for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. I'm happy to help on the dad joke part. If you need a ghostwriter for those, hit me up. <laughs> the rest okay. are on your own. 
Awesome. Imad, thank you so much for joining me today. This was such a pleasure. Where can people on the internet who want to find you check you out? Uh, I'm just Imad, like I am M-A-D on Twitter, and I try to tweet not funny things. Uh, <laughs> so, and that's where to find me and DM me if you're interested in something. Fabulous. Okay. And dear listeners, you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram and at Pod on Twitter. Until next time, I hope everyone has an absolutely fabulous day, week, month, year, etc. And Imad, thank you one more time for joining us. This was such a pleasure. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Oh boy, I have a review to read. Okay, this one comes from SMG2244555. Five stars. So much fun. I love this podcast. Every episode feels like I am eavesdropping on a conversation with two incredibly funny and accomplished friends. Alexis has such a knack for interviewing and it makes for awesome content. It's obvious how much fun everyone involved with the show is having, listener included. Thanks so much, SMG224455. And if you want to hear me read your review on the next episode, go ahead and leave me a review on iTunes. Give me a little tech lingo, a little corpse speak, and maybe you'll hear it on the pod. Thanks so much. Have a great day, a great week, month, year, etc. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.